Hello and welcome to the Nourish Practice podcast, a podcast focused on all things intuitive eating, intuitive movement and helping you heal your relationship to food while moving away from diet culture in hopefully a nice relaxed way. There'll be a mixture of solo episodes and guest interviews. Any topics you would like included just send me a DM on Instagram at Nourish Practice and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back. This week we are talking to Michaela Carrick. She is a registered dietitian, health literacy specialist and former health science teacher. She is passionate about empowering people to meet their nutritional goals by sharing evidence-based information and practical nutrition tips. It was absolutely lovely chatting away to Michaela and I we had a little chat after the recording. I absolutely love her Instagram. Lots of very funny graphics and content so do check it out. I will put the link below. Enjoy! Perfect. So I have already had a little speedy introduction um, to Michaela, but I always like to offer the chance to introduce yourself, sum yourself up, add anything extra that you would like. So I'll hand over to Michaela anything you would like to, to say to introduce yourself. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. My name is Michaela and I am a registered dietitian in the UK and Ireland. I studied up in Northern Ireland and I'm now practicing as a clinical dietitian in the Republic of Ireland online, helping people with a range of nutritional kind of questions and issues. But something that I've always been really passionate about is helping people battle against the incredible amount of nutrition misinformation that is online, creating content that helps break it down in an easy to understand way and help people figure out what the fact and what the fiction is. Amazing. Yeah, something that I'm people ask me all the time, well, I've read this article, I've read this, and I sort of try and <laughs> shuffle through. So I think definitely something that, that people really need. Um, what I'll sort of start with is, is there a way we can notice uh, nutrition misinformation or spot it straight away, any telltale signs that maybe something's a bit more fiction than fact? Yeah, and I think an important thing with nutrition misinformation is if you've been fooled by nutrition misinformation, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, I think so many people get fooled by some of this misinformation that you can find online, and there is so much of it. Um, personally, before I started studying dietetics, like I fell for a lot of the different things that supplement companies or different diet plans were kind of advertising, um, which was all turned out to be not evidence-based. Um, and I think the people who kind of communicate this nutrition misinformation, they're getting better and better at it. Like they're using scientific language that makes you believe that they must have done some sort of research or they're scientists or they're even in videos wearing like white coats to make you think, oh, they must be a doctor. They must know what they're talking about. Mm. Um, but I think over the years, I've developed like a couple of kind of red flags that I look out for um, when I am kind of watching videos or reading articles. And the first one is always going to be, it's too good to be true. Um, so they're kind of saying that they're going to fix all your problems with very little work, very little effort. Um, like something like your acne is going to disappear or your, your pain is going to disappear. Um, and it's usually tied to a short time frame. So it's like your acne is going to disappear overnight or you're going to gain 10 kilos of muscle in a month, um, which is we'd love for that to be true. But these quick fixes more often than not aren't possible um, and they don't end up working out in the long run. One of the things I find that people use um, to kind of advertise or prove their point um, is like personal anecdotes. And um, so that would be another mm -hmm. red flag for me. So someone saying I drank celery juice every morning for six months and my acne completely cleared up. I haven't had any joint pain. Like that's great for that person. 
but it's not enough evidence to then be saying that everyone should be drinking celery juice every morning. Um, it's just not enough evidence. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it's just one thing can work for one person. Doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else. Um, and I think another red flag would be if something's going against like healthy eating guidelines, especially if it's asking yeah. people to remove a food group. Like we know that those evidence-based guidelines, they weren't just made up. They're based on evidence. Um, so they're, they are the basics of nutrition. Um, so kind of like eating whole grain carbohydrates, fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, that's never going to change. Um, so if people are kind of recommending going against that, that's a bit of a red flag. Like, why is that necessary? Um, and then another one you'll find a lot is supplements. So it's in the name, but we forget about it a lot. Supplements are there to supplement what you're eating. Um, so if you do feel that you need to take a supplement to get all these nutrients that you're missing out on, uh, it's probably a sign that you should maybe look at what you're eating. Why aren't you getting those nutrients through your food? Um, there's some kind of exceptions to that, obviously, like vitamin D. We know we don't get enough because we don't get enough sunlight here. Um, so like a supplement mm -hmm. makes sense. But if there's lots of different vitamins and minerals that you think you're missing out on, it's worth looking at how can you get those from food? is what you're eating at the moment actually what you should be eating um i think those are kind of like first glance at things that's what i'd pick out if you're mm -hmm. going to do a bit more digging into it maybe looking at who's sharing the information are they registered dietitians or nutritionists do they know what they're talking about or are they just someone who has a really strong opinion which you'll find a lot online um and they're probably gonna either cherry pick evidence so like choose evidence that matches with their beliefs or they're not even going to back anything up with um, scientific evidence at all. Um, if they are writing something, you'll see this in articles a lot. Um, make sure they have references. Um, if you read like a news article, you'll see it sometimes they'll talk about this study that's going to change everyone's lives and change nutrition forever. But then they won't post the link to the article, which yeah. tells me, OK, straight away, they probably twisted something. They're probably not telling the full story and they don't want you to go looking for it. Um, and I think, yeah, mm -hmm. if you can get references, have a quick look at the abstract. The first thing I look for is, was it done in rats? Because so many of these <laughs> articles are based off animal studies and like animal research, really important. It's an important step in research, especially for nutrition, but it's not enough to then start telling people what they should be eating. Um, it's obviously people and rats, very, very different. Those would be, I think, the things to look out for, especially if you don't have a big research or nutrition background I think those are kind of the red flags yeah very I know from um when I left uni I was like references checking everything but I, I appreciate for, for the everyday person it's like e easy things I always it sounds really simple but when I'm talking about like diets and like, if it looks like a diet and sounds like a diet it's probably a diet unfortunately if it is um too good yeah. to be true especially these your... kind of diets that are telling you it's like oh this this isn't a diet this is something different but then they're telling you to restrict yeah. certain foods that you can't have things that you need a supplement probably actually a diet just with a, a different marketing approach yes definitely line like you said they're getting <laughs> smarter and smarter um how would you say nutrition misinformation affects our eating habits is it are there things you see quite often when working with clients or in general that comes from that misinformation i think a big thing that i see when working with clients is 
that it affects kind of the foods that they're maybe afraid of or that they think something will bad something bad will happen to them if they eat them and um, so they end up avoiding certain foods or even whole food groups sometimes um, and then you know they're at risk of nutritional deficiencies they're relying on supplements and it means that they're not enjoying their food the same way anymore um, so when they go out to eat they can't find things that fit within what they think they should be eating they're avoiding spending time with friends um, or going out and they're kind of then if they do go out and they go like off plan or against this kind of belief they have around food um, they end up feeling really guilty about it um, and it just it's not a positive relationship then with food um, and it's oftentimes I'm lucky that sometimes I get to speak to people who've had these experiences, but I'm sure there's loads more that are not getting professional advice because they they've taken this nutrition misinformation and they really strongly believe in it. And that's kind of stopping them then from speaking to a dietitian. Yeah, definitely. What would you say is the most common sort of nutrition myth, as it were, that you encounter? Like I know I always reference the like low carb or things like that is is that something you encounter a lot or is there another thing that maybe you work with people when you see all the time I think um as nutritionists and dietitians we get the classics all the time things like uh, bread is bad for you food additives are going to kill you those kind of ones that just refuse to go away um but one that I've started to see much more often when I'm working with clients is um to do with gut health. So I have a lot of people who come to me mm. and they're experiencing bloating um, and they kind of are coming with the approach of, I have all this bloating, it's uncomfortable. I want to solve it. I think it could be enter food group, usually dairy, gluten, one of those. Um, and I kind of want confirmation from the dietitian that I shouldn't be eating those foods. Um, and I think I kind of changed their whole mindset about it because I that's not an approach that I would take with people. I wouldn't exclude foods unless we know for certain um, that that's the cause of their problem. Um, and the majority of people who come to me with those kind of issues like bloating, um, it turns out that it's not actually specific foods. It's sometimes stress that's impacting their symptoms. It could be that they're eating really quickly or they're drinking loads of fizzy drinks. Um, so literally swallowing extra gas or using a straw with all their drinks, which causes them to swallow extra gas. Um, and it's not actually one specific food. There's obviously some cases where it does turn out to be, maybe they have celiac disease or an actual intolerance to a certain food. But I think the myth that I see is that any sort of gut issue or symptom must be a result of a food intolerance and the only way to solve it is cutting out foods yeah super interesting and that that seems to be from chatting to everyone the sort of it's on the rise I think with the unnamed brands but I keep seeing I know lots of probiotics <laughs> being pushed at me and digestive drinks and things like this um, and I think that that like you said nutrition mis misinformation and a little bit of oh yes it's really scientifically backed has meant a lot of people going uh, said to me do I need a probiotic I didn't even think about it or oh maybe I should be drinking something every morning um so it seems to be this increase yeah. in that awareness <laughs> definitely so yeah and say, I think um <laughs> how would you say is best sorry. to find reliable <laughs> nutritional information um, so any top tips or anything you recommend to find nice reliable information i would say 
make sure you're following qualified people on social media. There are so many nutritionists and dietitians out there um, making content. So it's great to give them a follow and usually they'll have their qualifications in their bio as well. Obviously, if you have their name, you can search them on the register too. It's okay to follow people who maybe aren't qualified in nutrition and dietetics who are in the wellness kind of space. Um, but keep, a, keep in mind that they may not be using scientific evidence as kind of their way of backing up what they're saying. It's a really good sign if those people, let's say personal trainers or someone like that, they're signposting people to dietitians or nutritionists. That to me would be a bit of a green flag. Um, it means that they're probably kind of staying within their scope and making sure that they're not misleading people. They have maybe a bit more of your interest um, at heart and they're hopefully not going to be promoting then nutrition products that aren't kind of reliable or they're they're going to say okay I don't get involved with that kind of thing because that's not my area of expertise um I would say if you have specific nutrition questions for yourself try and speak to a nutritionist or dietitian see if that service is available to you if it's not I would say when you're kind of on the google um always have your question and then put something like NHS at the end or HSC that kind of means you're going to be signposted to the government websites that have been reviewed, they're evidence-based. Um, if you're looking for other websites for nutrition information, Safe Food is a great one for kind of nutrition tips and tricks. If you're interested in like food additives or food safety, go into the Food Safety Authority um, in your country or even the European Food Safety Authority is great for kind of breaking down the evidence around um, additives. Um, if you're looking up kind of things for more specific health conditions, the British Dietetic Association or the British Nutrition Foundation or in Ireland, the Irish Nutrition and Dietetic Institute, they all have lots of different kind of information sheets and websites that you can kind of read through. Um, but trying to make sure that it's coming from either like a government point or like a specific nutrition or dietetic association. There are some like disease specific um, websites as well, things like Diabetes UK or the Irish Heart Foundation that can be reliable too. Um, but always being ready to question the information that you see and trying to get personal one-to-one -one advice when you can. Yeah, I used to, um, I remember running a workshop and someone said to me, um, so sugar, good or bad? And I went, it's about 200 shades of grey, What? so many other factors. Um, and they just looked at me like, where's the simple answer? And I was like, it's it's a nutrition science, unfortunately. And in science, there's often not a, a black and white lie. <laughs> so it's it's finding all those, like you said, individual stuff. <laughs> so sort of finish off um, before we quick fire finish, pre-finish. Um, I know when it comes to diets, a lot of them, like you said, it's acne overnight, it's lose X amount in a week. It's very short time frame, big change. Is there anything you would recommend when it comes to a bit of, a bit more realism, setting that realistic goals, maybe helping with our relationship to food um, without necessarily focusing on misinformation, but just setting that realistic tone? Yeah, I think... If you're trying to change anything about your nutrition or health or your relationship with food, the first step is really to reflect. So, so figure out how your relationship with food is right now um, and what's maybe been difficult for you the last little while. Um, that could involve like keeping some sort of diary or journal or doing some like real like reflections, maybe after some time that you'd experience loads of guilt after eating something, kind of reflecting on why that happened. 
Um, and I think accepting where you are is important. There's almost like um, a lot of positivity online about like having this great relationship with food. And it's okay if you're not there yet. Don't put pressure on yourself to like never feel a certain way about food or have no kind of emotional reaction to food. Accept where you are and then have a think about why do you want to change? How is that going to change your life? Uh, why is it important to you? And then once you kind of know that you have that foundation, it's okay, what steps can I take right now? Small, sustainable steps, doesn't need to be anything major. What steps can you take right now to get you to a healthier version of your relationship with food? Not aiming for a perfect relationship with food, because that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, but what little changes can you make to just make it slightly better or slightly different? Amazing. Yeah, small, small and sustainable all the way. Um, unless there's, I was going to say, small window here. If there's anything you want to add, anything uh, you think would be super important for people to know. But if not, I'll lead us on to the sort of quick fire finish, as it were. Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. Quick fire. <laughs> I say quick fire. I always like to add the caveat. Go into as much detail as you like. It's one of my favorite bits. <laughs> the first one is favorite food and people go that's such a hard question and I love it because people just start going into this is my favorite food and these memories and it's great to hear so first one what is your favorite food my favorite food is such a basic answer but it's pizza um and this is like it's not just me saying that I love pizza everyone who I'm friends with anyone who's close to me knows that it's pizza um so like if I'm stressed out if I'm doing exams or something like that that always was dinner um my mom would have always made that for us because it was such a comfort food for me um I think also because I love to travel and I'm vegetarian it can be tricky to find foods that are kind of suitable depending on where you're traveling to but you're always going to be able to find a pizza like it's always going to be that food that's there for you um and there's different varieties you can mix it up that's maybe one way that I've improved um my nutrition myself I've added a bit of variety I would have always been like a very plain margarita pizza kind of girl um but I've mixed it up sometimes I'll try different varieties I love like a bit of roasted veg or something on a pizza I'm controversial but I do love a bit of pineapple on pizza um so it's it's a, a food that I love but I love that it's so adaptable and you can change things up and make it slightly different but it's still just as enjoyable yes I'm big pizza fan I absolutely love pizza and, and pineapple on pizza I sometimes again like you I'll try it every now and again I'm, I'm not against it <laughs> what is your favorite form of movement any any type of movement 100% walking I could walk for hours like I feel the reason I only walk an hour a day is probably because I just don't have time to do anymore but if I was kind of left for a day I could do two or three hours easily and I think part of it is probably because I don't look at walking as like exercise I see it much more mm -hmm. as kind of my like chill time I use it as like I work from home so I use that as like my shutdown from work I do like a little commute I guess you could call it um, to kind of switch off for the day and I just love kind of the headspace that it gives you listen to a good song good podcast um, and it can really clear your mind and you can come back from that walk a completely different person um, because you've had the time to kind of think things through yeah I'm a big fan of audiobooks currently I can go on a long get through a few chapters um so now next one what does nourished mean to you so obviously I named the podcast and everything on my opinion of nourished but what would be your definition of, of the word nourished 
I think when I think of nourished, I do think of like food automatically, probably biased mm. being a dietitian. But <laughs> I think nourished to me is like it goes along with like full. So like a food that's maybe like full of nutrients, vitamins, minerals, fiber, like it's it's going to do good things for your body. Um, but also it's full of like flavor um, and it's comforting, like that warmth that you feel um, like something like a, a nice rich soup on like a cold day and looking out at the rain out the window that kind of like emotional side of food as well I think is an important part of nourishment um and I also kind of think of like the social aspect of eating so being around friends or family or using food as a way to connect with new people um so I think definitely food focused when I think of the word nourished but also about the whole experience of food not just the nutrients or the food itself yeah, as soon as you said soup on a cold day, being in the UK, like I viscerally felt the the warmth of of that. <laughs> I think it really does invoke something. Um, <laughs> so last thing, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, but if you could give someone one piece of advice today to improve their relationship with food, what would it be? I think it kind of goes back to that last question. It's really reflecting on what are kind of the things that you'd like to change with your relationship with food? Don't be looking at other people and how they've approached it and what they've achieved with their relationship with food. Don't be putting pressure on yourself to love food all the time and have no issues with food and have this perfect relationship with food. Cause most people that's not realistic depending on where you're starting from. So figure out where your starting point is and think about changes that are going to be significant for you. So whether it's someone who is like always calorie tracking and wants to try something different, maybe deleting the app from your phone so you're not getting notifications every couple of hours to log something. Um, maybe it's unfollowing people online who kind of make you feel bad about yourself or the way that you're eating or the way that you look. Um, it's really just going to come down to what's going to make the difference for you and what's going to get you to the things that you really want to achieve. Amazing. Um that's pretty much all questions from me. I'll have all of your Instagram uh, links below if there's anything you want to share, any programs or just people can reach out if they want to work with you one-to-one. -one. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for coming, Michaela. No bother. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it.